0: What would you like the power to do?
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Port Dear Pats Nation in style by gearing yourself up with some DPN merchandise over at tspringscom slash stores slash DPN. We have left the link in the description of this YouTube video and on the podcast.
0: Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle, and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And we're
1: back. Yes, we are. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my boy, Connor. And welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast here on this lovely Victoria Day Monday here in my home country of canada on this may the 24th 2021 welcome everybody just want to start by telling you that when you sign up for the Deer patch nation loyalty club over on patreon you will get an exclusive video podcast five days a week from sunday through thursday you'll also have the opportunity to join us for the Patreon exclusive live stream every second Friday that will be coming up on this upcoming Friday. When you sign up for the Deer Patch Nation Loyalty Club, there are no tiers and no extra costs. For only $5 a month, you'll have access to all our content by joining the Deer Patch Nation Loyalty Club over at www.patreon.com slash DPN Sports. So get your exclusive Deer Patch Nation content for only $5 a month by joining us over on Patreon over at patreon.com DPN Sports. We've left a link to our Patreon page in the description of this show, wherever and however you're watching or listening, Kana, what's going on?
0: What's going on, man? We are back. We
1: are beautiful, beautiful Monday here, nice and rested after us not doing anything for three days. And I'm hoping that that's going to turn into better shows, my friend. That's
0: the plan, man.
1: That's the hope, right? <laughs> All right, a couple of announcements for every, to make to everybody. Number one, Connor will be joining the AFC East Roundtable tomorrow night.
0: Yes, sir. I believe
1: it's over at uh, TD Finn's Talks channel uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We will uh, tweet out the links so you can get there. I couldn't make it. Connor and I, we are covering for Tyson, who is usually the representative on the AFC East Roundtable. Connor or Tyson will be returning back, I believe, when the preseason starts. But for the time being, Connor and I have uh, gracefully and graciously uh, agreed to join in and said that we will will be there and we will alternate every second week. I've done it the last two weeks. It's Connor's turn this Tuesday at 9 p.m. Also, exciting news, everybody. Miss Sarah Marshall is back tomorrow with her live show at 7 (laughs) p.m. Eastern time. We are thrilled to have Sarah back. We were hoping to get her on the show. Unfortunately, tonight's show is so super packed. We weren't able to get her on. We've been trying to get her on for the last couple of weeks, but she's been dealing, you know, coping with what she's been coping with. We've been like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll get you on. And then she's finally ready to come back and... Connor and I were talking pre this show, pre to the show. And I'd already said, I don't know if we can get through the whole thing in the hour. So it's uh, a lot to unpack and a lot to unload, but very, very excited to have Sarah. Yes.
0: Good, good news. Good news. Sarah I'm happy she's back. Back.
1: Thank you to our boy Ross for dropping a super sticker already. He loves them yeah, super buddy. stickers. We appreciate Let's you. Go. Let's go. So you're looking forward to representing
0: the uh, AFC East tomorrow. Yes. Representing the I'm Patriots? Ready. Yes. Yes. I'm a little little nervous now. I have to represent the pads. Hopefully, I don't make us look bad. Excited to have Sarah back? I am. Yeah. It's always good to have Sarah back, man. It is.
1: Big news. So, 7 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Sarah will be live. Guys, I was up north breathing beautiful northern fresh air up here this weekend on our long weekend up here. Connor and I discussed it a little bit on Patreon before we talked about Julio Jones, which you can see over there. Yeah, and, buddy. uh, Connor, I'm so, I, I, you know what, as much as I like getting away, it's, I missed you, man. I know. I know. If you, that three days, three days felt long. It right? does. And I can imagine people who aren't Patreon members and only get us every like twice a week. Now I feel bad for a lot. All of Right. People. You got to come on over, invest the money. <laughs> it's, an, <laughs> that, it's an investment. That wasn't even a planned pitch. <laughs> we we just appreciate y'all guys. We are going to get going here with our featured topic of the day which is talking about the questions that are still looming for the Patriots. And believe it or not, I'm actually using a Tom E. Curran article, which I sort of refuse to do, but got to do it. And I guess got to put a big shout out to our boy, Lucas, who dropped the super, super sticker. Thank you you, you very much, Lucas. We appreciate y'all. But before we get started, guys, support for Deer Pats Nation is brought to you by Iron Triangle Concrete Weights. Stop overpaying for weights and gym memberships. Visit Iron Triangle Concrete Weights on Instagram and get your weights today. Tell them that Deer Pats Nation sent you and you'll save yourself 10% off of every order. You can also check out the Rocky Mountain Barber Company and save 5% using that code RAYROUTE when you purchase your small batch male hygiene products made with natural ingredients. Visit RockyMountainBarber.com and save 5% using the code Route Connor, how do you spell that? R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H Street Brew is the official coffee of Dear Pat's Nation. Visit www.streetbrew.ca. Street Brew's obsession with quality coffee has motivated them to develop a unique, custom-blended, and craft-roasted line of superior coffees. Street Brew Coffee has developed a product for discerning coffee drinkers. The sale of every bag of coffee and merchandise will provide funds that will directly impact the homeless. Get the official coffee of Dear Pat's Nation by visiting www.streetbrew.ca. You can also visit Manscaped.com and save 20% plus free shipping when you use that code RAYROUTE. Connor, how do you spell that? R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H. And get your hands on the very best male grooming products and save 20% plus free shipping using that code RAYROUTE. When you visit Manscaped.com, your balls will thank you. We've left a link to all our generous sponsors and partners in the description wherever and however you're listening or watching this show. We also seem to have the Battle of the Super Stickers. Thank you again to Ross. Gotta love the the Super super Stickers. It's uh, we're just going, 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 but Connor, it is time to get into our topic tonight. As I said, it comes from Tommy Curran, the, uh, from NBC.com. It's called lingering Patriots questions as NFL training camp blooms. Let me ask you this, Connor, after what can only be described as the most exciting offseason that a lot of young Patriot fans ever would have experienced yep. with every, free agency draft, everything in, in between, we had a lot of our questions that we had going into the off season answered. But we there's probably still some questions. What is one question you is really on your or sorry, what's one question that's really on your mind as we start heading into OTAs that started today and training camp when that eventually kicks off?
0: I'd still say the quarterback position. I said it before. I'm pretty confident Cam Newton's going to start week one. But I'm also interested to see what happens if he doesn't look good in training camp, if he doesn't look good to, to start the season, if he really comes out and plays very poorly and Mac Jones plays really well. My biggest question coming in is what Bill Belichick's going to do in that sense. You know, I, I think it's Cam's job to lose. But if he's really struggling, what's going to happen at QB?
1: Believe it or not, I don't think that's one of the questions that they cover in this article. Really? Yeah. Now I glanced at it. One of the things I'm not doing is pre-reading it so that you and I can talk together. So let's get it going, man. It says, once the dust from the Patriots free agent land rush settled, all focus went to the draft. And once the Patriots drafted their quarterback with the 15th pick, focus swung to that position and there it stayed. Is there any angle left unexplored? Cam and Mac, Mac and Cam. McCam, Cam Mac. What's Cam gotta do to fend off Mac? How ready is Mac to you know, relative to Cam? What if Cam stinks in the preseason? What if Mac is a savant? We've spitballed the boat as much as we can on things and how things might go between those two at that spot. Connor, I'm gonna agree with Tommy Curran. I am sick and tired of talking about what if this, what if yep. that? When it he comes- hit the
0: nail on the head right there, he yeah, did.
1: Because all we talked about, Mac Jones, Cam right. Newton, Cam right. versus Mac, who plays, who starts, what if Mac is it, what if Cam is that, and I'm done talking about it.
0: Yep. Yep, we could talk about it for another three months. So
1: Curran says, maybe for a minute we look elsewhere at some of the other interesting questions that could be answered. And it says, our Tommy Curran and Phil Perry answer 15 remaining questions that are still facing the Pats entering the summer? And as I said, Connor, 15 questions, there's a lot to cover here. Right. And uh, we will do our best to get to the chats. We will do our best to do everything. We're trying to go. <laughs> what if Jared Stidham is good? And, Connor, this is Ooh. like a scenario that you and I never talked about. And I will give their opinion in a second, but let me ask you. Pre-listening to uh, Tom's opinion, yep. what if what if Jared Stidham is good during the preseason?
0: That's going to throw a wrench into the mix right now. It's like uh Cam Newton will play this year. Mentor Mac Jones. Hopefully he has a good year. Then he'll transition and Mac Jones will become the starter and hopefully the future of the Patriots. But what if Jared Stidham looks really good? Cam Newton kind of struggles and Mac Jones doesn't struggle, but he's more of a rookie. And Jared Stidham's the guy all of a sudden. Then what do they do? What do they do with Cam Newton? What's the plan for Mac Jones? Jared Stidham's super super young still. So what are they going to do if now they have Jared Stidham and Mac Jones and then they have Cam Newton who's like third on the totem pole all of a sudden? I, I, I don't know. I haven't really even considered that being an option. All right. So let me tell you
1: what Curran says, and then maybe you can come up with a little bit more of an opinion. He says, when camp starts, the best arm there will be dangling from the right shoulder of Jared Stidham. The best arm, Connor. Wow. What if he makes the leap in the offseason that he failed in 2020's uh, turncated offseason? We all know that players make their biggest leap in the offseason before their second year. Stidham didn't really have one, nor was he high on the learning curve when the Patriots drafted him out of Auburn. His quarterback coach, Jordan Palmer, discussed this, saying, quote, The gap he had to make up from college to the NFL was the most significant gap I've seen out of anybody I've trained for the NFL draft. And I've trained over 35 guys and 10 of them have started as rookies. I do this every year. I've never seen a gap like that. The critique when he was coming out was that Stidham has inconsistent reactions to pressure still applied last year. How much did that have to do with the lack of an offseason, the lack of high and talent, the pressure of coming in a mop-up situations, don't know. But if he's better this year, that's a good thing, right? So... Let's stop there for a second, Connor. It's funny. We talk about the offseason a lot when it comes to and pertains to Cam Newton, right? Yeah. No real offseason, didn't know the playbook, yada, yada, yada. Now, Jared Stidham should have had a better grasp of the playbook than Cam Newton. If he didn't, then he's got bigger problems besides you know trying to fill that gap of how things work on an NFL field. But Kern makes a good point when he talks about when guys make their leap, it's during the offseasons. That's when they get better. Jared Stidham was Tom Brady's backup, which meant, Brady got a majority of the snaps. He looked pretty decent in the preseason two years ago that year. Him and Jacoby Myers had a good connection. He didn't get a he didn't get a an offseason at all. And right it showed in it showed in camp. It showed while he was on the field. Do you think having a proper off-season, getting together the you know, the Pat's West or whatever it was? Do you think that maybe we see Jared Stidham take a little bit of a leap this year? I mean...
0: Yeah, if, to, to be fair to him, that's that's correct. And I've given Cam Newton the same excuses, and I've talked about it a bunch of times. They're not necessarily as much excuses because they're very valid. I mean, it's the same thing with Jared Stidham. I mean, they're excuses, but they're also kind of valid. He didn't have an offseason last year, which is very tough when it's your second year in the league. Before that, he looked pretty good in preseason two years ago. Last year, there was no preseason. There was no offseason. There was no real opportunity for him to get out there in a serious setting. Except for like what Tommy Curran said here, except for mop-up duty when he went out there when you're losing by twenty plus points, morale on the team is extraordinarily low, and you're throwing to guys like Nikhil Harry, and he hasn't he hasn't had the the, the fairest shake as well either. Obviously, when he did get the opportunities last year, he he didn't take advantage of him. He didn't look great, um, but he he had a, a short end of the stick. I will give him that. So Jason says Stidham is no different than Danny Etling. I, I've I've said the same thing. I know I'm contradicting myself there, but I, I don't see Stidham really being a good quarterback. I see him being more of a backup guy for a long time or being like a career backup, but that doesn't take away from the fact that last season was very tough for him.
1: I don't see Jared Stidham as a starting quarterback either. I'm just... We're talking about what's in front of us, and that's the kind of mm. conversation we're going to have, unless you guys want to have the same boring conversations over and over again. I will say, though, there is a big difference between Jared Stidham and Danny Etling. Uh, first of all, Jared Stidham was a fourth round draft pick, Danny Etling was a seventh round draft pick. That's a big deal in the NFL draft. Number two, Danny Etling was never seen as anything of a quarterback. There were reports back in 2018, if he would have chose to be drafted rather than reenter the draft or or go back, if he would have entered the draft rather than go back to school, there was some projections that Jared Stidham would have been a first round draft pick. He could have been the sort of quote unquote Mac Jones of that draft pick. That's like that 15th, 16th, you know, or a Jordan Love 20th pick. So there is a difference between the two. But if you're saying there's no difference that he's got no shot of starting, you're right. But I'm going to tell you one thing. If somebody had to back my team up, I would much rather Jared Stidham over Danny Etling.
0: Yeah, yes. Lawrence
1: says, thank you very much for the super chat, Lawrence. Thank you, much. Lawrence says, how much does it cost to feed the O-line daily? Ooh.
0: Oh, man, that is a good question. A lot. Uh, yeah, probably four figures, right? Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> I guess
1: that's, <laughs> that's one of the pressing que- questions. One of the pressing say, questions. Good question. Good question. I like that. I'm saying $1,000 a day. Uh, so, moving on here, the question is which second year player makes the leap? And I really, if you go back to the Patriots draft picks last year, you got Kyle Duggar, you got mm-hmm. Josh Uche, you know, you've got some uh, Mike on You know, you've got three really, really good draft picks that came out of last year's draft. Out of those three, who do you think is going to take the leap?
0: Kyle Duggar. I think Kyle Duggar, now that uh, Patrick Chung is retired, I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to take the next step forward. I think he looked great when we saw him last year. Um, I'm excited about Kyle Duggar, and now I think he has the opportunity to get a lot more playing time. I think he, you know... He, he, he just has a big opportunity to step forward this year, and I see him taking advantage of it.
1: All right, let me tell you what Perry has to say. He says, Kyle Duggar will be the stock answer for most here, but I'm going to go with Josh Uche. I believe mm-hmm. he has a little more room to grow. Duggar already looked like a starting caliber, strong safety last year, and Uche showed impressive flashes last year that indicated he could be a consistently disruptive player with more time. In the weeks he was available, weeks 8 through 16, he was third in the NFL among all edge rushers' uh, win rates according to Pro Football Focus. Number one was Joey Bosa of the Chargers. Number two was Samson um, Abukam. Is that how you say his name? From the Rams? Okay, yep. Uh, and then Josh Uche was number three. JJ TJ Watt of the Steelers was fifth. Wow. Pretty good company. As a versatile inside-outside linebacker, Uche could be a valuable piece in Belichick's front seven in 2021. Now, when I look at – listen, I love Josh Uche. You know I love me some Josh Uche. He's a guy who I believe is going to be a great player for this team. I think he's going to be better than Thor, you know, also known as Chase Winovich. That being said, I think that there is so many – Veteran players in front of Josh Uche this season: Kyle Van Noy, Matt Judon, you know uh, Hunter Henry, or not Hunter Henry, um, Henry Anderson, who's an edge an edge run defender, a Dietrichs Weiss Jr. Then you got Chase Winovich, who's a year ahead of him. I think his time's going to be limited. That's why I don't see him as the big leap. Where I think Kyle Duggar is going to be the the guy who takes that you know that massive leap forward. Even though he was a starting caliber, strong safety last year, I think he still has more growth and more to show as a player. So I like to stick with with Duggar just because of Uche's opportunities. That being said, one of the leg ups that Josh Uche has over, say, a, a Chase Winovich of that nature is has showed that he can play both inside and outside of the linebacker position. And that's where, as he grows, he's going to become better and better and better and better.
0: What's your yeah, thoughts? I I wouldn't be surprised to see Uche take a big step forward either. I don't he didn't get all that many slaps last season, but when we de- did see him out there, I thought he looked pretty good. I think second year is a great opportunity for him. Um, that it's, it's a crowded position at the same time too, though. So I feel like if we do see him out there, that's a great sign because that means he's playing at a high caliber level. Because with how crowded that linebacker position is going to be, he's going to have to stand out to get that type of playing time.
1: Now, this next question is near and dear to my heart. Is Dante Hightower still Dante Hightower? You know, I think that both you and I said that with all the moves the Patriots made, one of the biggest moves was the move they didn't have to make, and that was Hightower returning to the Patriots lineup after opting out last season. And I think there was times on that defense that you could see that he was a missing piece. A lot. Especially when it came to defending the run. Now, the Patriots have bolstered that defense a lot that – I begrudgingly say that they could probably survive a season without him if, you know, your boy, the Spike King, is right. I don't think he will be, but is right and Hightower retires.
0: Not predicting (laughs) that. No, I'm not predicting that. He's already involved in the offseason, from what I'm told. He's already sitting in on meetings. So, I don't know. Maybe he's getting inside information for his next team or something.
1: You got to talk to your boy. (laughs) Anyways, I think that when it all breaks down to it, when I when I ask you, do you think Hightower will still be Hightower this year?
0: I do. I think Hightower is obviously on the tail end of his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he does retire in the near future. Um, I don't think it's going to be this season. I do think he's coming back. I do think he's still going to look like Dante Hightower. I'm confident in him as far as the 2021 season goes. Um, 2022 and beyond, we'll we'll worry about that from there. But I do think Dante Hightower is going to have a good season. I do, th- and I do think he will play and he'll be back.
1: All right, here's what Curran had to say. He said, A pissed-off Dante Hightower is a force of nature. When the Patriots were getting run over, around, and through during the 2019 regular season meeting with the Ravens, Hightower blew a gasket on the sideline and then went about demolishing Baltimore's offense and Lamar Jackson for the next little while. Tyler Higaby found out in Super Bowl 53. He's one of the NFL's most underrated players, and he's missed last season after opting out. He's back at 31, and in my opinion, immediately becomes the Patriots' best front seven player. He is the same player he was before opting out, and my suspicion will be the Patriots' defensive brain has its prefrontal cortex back. That's the part used for decision-making. Yes, I Googled, <laughs> <laughs> and it's my amygdala aggression, current. Uh, Connor, I just listen. I I like to leave the questions to you, but I'm going to give my opinion. I could not agree with Tom Curran more. As you know, I'm a Dante Hightower fanboy. He is my favorite player on the New England Patriots. He was my favorite player on the New England Patriots while Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Gronkowski, and everybody was there. I love Mr. February. I love Hightower. He's him and Willie McGinnis are my two all-time favorite players on the New England Patriots. And as you know, I am a defensive guy. I agree. The brain that Hightower brings on the field, that quarterback of that front seven is important. But what he brings to the team with all the talent, adding Davin Gotcha, adding Barmore, adding Perkins, adding Judon, bringing back Kyle Van Noy, yeah. you know, having Uche, having Chase Winovich, Dietrich Weiss Jr., bringing Lawrence Guy back, Juwan Bentley. I think when you list that entire front seven and that three, four uh, defense that they're going to run, Dante Hightower, in my opinion, will remain the best player in that
0: front seven defense. That would not surprise me at all. Um, if he plays like he's played over the past couple of years, obviously up that out last year. But let's go back to the season before. I mean, let's let's look at how well he's played in the playoffs as well, because that's an astronomical you know, showing of how well you can play in the clutch. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the biggest impact player on the defense. Um, I was a little surprised to hear that he's only 31 in my mind I was thinking he's more like 33 34 he's not he i don't think he's there to that point especially having taken last season off at the age of 30 that probably ha- will have helped him out astronomically I think he's gonna be fine he's still gonna be fast he's still gonna be good um it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him be the best best player in the front seven
1: well I didn't think we could get through this entire article without talking about, the quarterback situation outside of Jarrett Stidham. So the question they they do put out is, what would it take for Mac Jones to start week one? You and I have had many conversations around this very topic. We're going to get their opinion in a second. I think the one thing, maybe you can just confirm or deny, Connor, the one thing that you and I have brought on as a consensus is we believe Bill Belichick, when he says Cam Newton will be the starter, I don't think there's anything Mac Jones can do to beat out Cam Jones, the only way it can happen is, is Cam Jones or Cam Newton beats himself and gives yeah. Belichick no choice, no matter how good Mac Jones goes. And I truly believe even if he says, okay, Mac Jones has to start this year, he is not going to want Mac Jones starting against Tom Brady and putting that kid in that position. And I think that this, that, that starting spot, barring a major injury is Cam Newton's until at least week five.
0: Yeah. Yep. Cam Newton's really going to have to crap the bed out there in preseason. He's going to have to look awful. He's going to have to be throwing the ball blatantly at people's feet, just not feeling the presence for the pressure, taking sacks, making awful throws. He, he's going to have to look bad, in my opinion, for Mac Jones to be the starter week one. I don't think Bill Belichick wants that to ha- happen. I think he wants Cam Newton to start. I think he wants Mac Jones to sit for a year and get acclimated behind Cam. I think for him to put Mac Jones out there, like you said, it's not going to be more about Mac Jones. It's going to be more the fact that Cam looked that bad. And I think it's going to have to be really, really bad where – it's almost like we all know that they can't put the guy out there. Here's what Perry had to say
1: about it. He said, as Bill Belichick said on draft weekend, quote, someone would have to play better than he does, end quote. The he there was Cam Newton, and that's mm-hmm. not out of the realm of possibility. If Newton looks the way he did late in camp last year, he had an eye-opening Stretch of inaccuracy and slow decision made ma- slow decision making in late August, then the door would be open for Mac Jones or someone else who's performing well. Easy as that. Additionally, first round quarterbacks play these days. Of the 32 drafted in the 10 drafts before 2021, the vast majority were playing around the middle of their rookie seasons. And only four Jordan Love, Patrick Mahomes, Johnny Manziel, and Jake Walker were given something resembling a redshirt year. Terms generally want teams, sorry, generally want those high end investments to yield results and quickly. The Patriots won't be any different if the options ahead of Jones aren't competitive enough. Now I do agree. If Mac, again, if cam Newton is not showing improvement, if he's throwing the ball at people's ankles, if his decision-making is bad, then the Patriots may have no choice, but to put Mac Jones in again, though, I don't think it's a situation of Mac Jones outperforming cam Newton. I think it's cam Newton showing he can't play in the NFL. We did read, uh, in the last couple of days that cam Newton has been working on his fundamentals, which apparently isn't that he doesn't know the fundamentals. It comes more that he's because he was dealing with that shoulder after that shoulder surgery and trying to readjust his throat. Maybe things come out. I don't know, but I get back to it. I think that, it's going to take a lot i think that you know you talk about all the other teams in the league bill belichick is not the other coaches and general managers in the league if he's close to anybody it's probably andy Reid in a way and guess what patrick mahomes was one of those guys who sat
0: right yeah the overwhelming majority which we've talked about of people who've been successful at the quarterback position in this league have sat their first year it's very very rare for a quarterback to come in as a rookie and take a team all the way to the super bowl it almost never happens um i i think cam newton's gonna have to be awful for mac jones to be the starter
1: so mcchicken says it's cam jones ray said it was cam jones facile fake news i corrected myself pricks
0: at the at this (laughs) point it's cam jones jones cam scam newton scam jones jones scams Alright, I think that we
1: can sneak this one in before the break. Is the Nikhil, Is this Nikhil Harry's last roundup? Obviously, Nikhil Harry's been one of the most disappointing draft picks in recent memory. Some people will say it's Bill Belichick's worst draft pick ever. I'm sure if we start going through the list, there's been worse. But when recency bias is in the picture and you got a wide receiver, people are going to be upset. Connor rationally, is this Nikhil Harry's last year with the Patriots?
0: Yes. Nikhil Harry, man, it's the time's ticking for him. It's been two years. Obviously, we gave him the benefit of the doubt last season. We really thought he was going to come out and make a step forward and have a pretty good season and, you know, kind of solidify himself. And he went in the opposite direction. Now it's two years in a row. Now the third season, it's really his opportunity to kind of prove himself. Three bad years in a row. It's turning away from you know he's getting acclimated and you know the excuse train is coming to a quick end after the third year of not performing in the league, in this league. So I think this is his last opportunity. He doesn't play well this year. He he might be on somebody's practice squad next season.
1: All right. So here's what Curran had to say. He said to me, one of the saddest moments of 2020 came in the third quarter of the Patriots' blowout loss to the Rams. Already down 17-3 to and doing little offensively, Cam Newton completed a 30-yard pass to Nikhil Harry on a second and 20. You'd have thought it was the Lynn Swan catch from Super Bowl ten, But that's how low the bar for the 2019 first-round pick has been set. Yep. He's played 21 of 32 regular season games and has 45 career catches. He's averaged 9.4 yards per catch. The ability, as we saw on the catch and intermittently during training camp last year, is there. The ability to do so in practice after practice, week after week, game after game, is not. And it's not just the injuries, which Harry has been victimized by. Newton described Harry as mentally battered by the start of his NFL career and is assimilating to the demands of the Patriots' operation. So as he enters his third season, the question to me is whether Harry can establish enough consistency in camp to keep him on the team. Because the peekaboo glimpses of his so far unrealized potential are not enough. Can you find any way to argue with with Curran here, or do you have to concur that...
0: Honestly, I've had to concur to overwhelming majority of everything he said in this article. He seems to be kind of just nailing everything on the head that's gone on with the Patriots, not even just with Nikhil Harry, but just over the past year or two.
1: It's him and Perry, by the way. We got to give Phil Perry some credit.
0: Oh, Phil Perry. Okay. Okay. Yep. I hear you saying Perry. That makes sense. Yeah. I I mean, so far, I, I completely agree. I agree. I agree on Nikhil Harry as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I want to go into this like big long Nikhil Harry explanation like I have with some of the other players, but they you've nailed it right on the head. Um, potential is there, yes. I think we've all seen the potential. We've talked about the potential. We've talked about the red zone. We've talked about a lot of different things. We just need to see – I mean, you think back to his first preseason game and that throw by Stidham and that catch that he made, and you just saw it there, like this is what this kid can do. Right. And and then it it sort of just kept continuously falling off as the season went on. So it's unfortunate that that's where he is now in his career. It's unfortunate that year three could possibly – he may not even play year three. He may be done by the time training camp finishes – If Julio Jones is traded to the Patriots, Nikhil Harry probably has no chance of making this team. I doubt he's going to leapfrog Aguilar or Bourne or Gunnar Oshesky at this point or Jacoby Myers. And Oshesky may never, you know, he may be the next Matthew Slater, a wide receiver who never plays wide receiver. Yeah. But I believe that the all pro special teamer probably has a chance of making this team this year. So it's, yeah, poor Nikhil Harry, it's it. But, guys, we need to take a little pause here. Connor needs to go to the bathroom. I can see it on his face. So <laughs> while he's doing that, please listen to our friend, about our friends, over at manscape.com. And we'll be back with you in about two minutes. Support for Dear Pats Nation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Fellas, when was the last time you could see behind the bushes? Now, let me tell you. Taking care of my nether regions and making sure I'm getting a close shave always makes me nervous when you are not using the right products, especially when you're trying to use products designed for your face. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped and engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents, and that is thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Guys, Manscaped obsesses over technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. They also use the best ingredients in all of their formulations. And guys, when I tell you that trimming the bushes makes the tree stand taller, that's a little bit of an understatement. And guys, this is premium. And I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take that longer shave. And one of the coolest features that you have on this device, it illuminates areas for a closer shave and a more precise trimming. And they've also upgraded the motor to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And don't forget about the charging stand. Guys, I do it. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock and it is powered by USB. And if you are listening right now, You are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RAYROUTE at manscaped.com. Level up your hygiene routine with only the best manscaping tools. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RAYROUTE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. At manscaped.com using the code RayRoute. That's R A Y R A U T H. Trim your junk with Manscaped. And we're back. Yes, we are. Thank you for listening uh, to our Manscaped ad where I talk about my balls. Enjoy we'll it. Ball talk. Connor, there's nothing better than talking about my balls and getting paid for it. Like, it's just. Shea. Very good point. All right. Like I said, man, we, we got to keep this rolling along here. I'd love to, to stop, break it down. I, I would love to get to some of our chats, but we got a whole lot to go through. And maybe after this topic, Connor, you can pull up a couple of the chat questions that we can get to their stuff and then we'll get back into it. Cool. Um, but what are the Patriots going to do with all their cap space? So, Connor, the Patriots still have about fifteen million dollars left in cap space, which, of course, is going to keep adding to the Julio Jones rumor. Whether or not it right. happens, we don't know, but it's there. What are they? Are they just hoarding? Are they trying to carry over for next season when the cap space, when the cap is increased even more and they can go out and get another big name? Are they going to spend it? Are they going to save it for maybe the trade deadline when they want to make a big move? What are you? What are you seeing here?
0: I think if they don't make a move for someone like Julio Jones, then they're probably going to hold on to it for the time being. I mean, it's all always good to have cap space when you go into the season, because then if you do want to make a trade during the year, you have that money to go out there and spend and you can bring in, you know, a big name at the trade deadline. If you're looking like you're teetering between contender and pretender, you know what I mean? So that would be a good opportunity. And I wouldn't be surprised if that, what that's what happens, but Maybe they are going to spend the $15 million on Julio.
1: Yeah, and I do want to remind everybody, too, I know that they have $15 million left, but the Patriots always carry $5 million into free agency or mm-hmm. into the regular season, I mean. Sorry. So I would say if they were going to spend money, we're talking about like a $10 million spending spree, not fifteen, because they're always going to want to carry five. But let's see what uh, Perry has to say about it. He says... The Patriots have about $15 million remaining in available salary cap space, even though after handing out a record amount of guaranteed dollars this offseason, they won't need that much to handle their in-season expenditures. So there are, are there more moves coming? Could be. The most obvious area that could still be addressed would be the receiver position outside of Nelson Aguilar. They are short on proven starting caliber wideouts, keeping some money on hand in case the jets release, uh, Jamison Crowder, not a bad idea. And if Julio Jones is really going to be available from the Falcons via trade, that's an accusation acquisition. The Patriots could consider given the breathing room they have as cap cap wise. They need to create more than that, than what they have to make a Jones deal, but that should be doable through restructures or extensions or contracts already on the books. Um, I mean, we kind of already explained that at the beginning, right? It's there in case they want to make a move. Do you agree that right. if they were going to spend money, it would probably be on wide receiver, or do you think there's another position that they'd want to address?
0: I mean, they've addressed so much. I I tip my cap to Bill Belichick in this offseason. I mean, they addressed every position I asked them to. Um, Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker. The secondary was already pretty solidified, and they still addressed that with Jalen Mills. I mean, where else do they allocate the money at this point? At this point, I think we're talking about luxuries like Julio Jones because they they've they addressed it all i can't think of a position they did not address
1: all right do you want to grab a couple of chat questions since we haven't been there yet before we continue on with this article i know because we've sort of been ignoring the chat so i'd like to to let's give them a, their due let's
0: bring a few up we'll start here with uh brent what's up man Nikio harry was drafted because of one insane catch he had same thing happened with aaron dobson oh aaron dobson was a bust um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember his insane catch. Did he have one ridiculously big catch in college? I, I don't know,
1: but I doubt that Bill Belichick of all people would watch one play and one catch and say that's the guy I'm drafting in the first round. I no, know that he,
0: he interviewed him instead.
1: If anything, Bill <laughs> Belichick overthinks the draft rather than you know take best available player up until I guess this year. You could say it. So I think that. I wouldn't say Bill Belichick would just pick a guy based on a, a catch because again, Belichick overthinks the draft and looks at a whole
0: bunch of different things that I like we can't even look at. And yeah, it is what it is there. All right. And um, the biggest question of the night, we've seen this many times here. We'll just address the God hand eighty nine. You think they will trade for Julio? Maybe. It's gonna
1: it's gonna be tough. You know, and I I know people are talking about Julio's salary, which is 15 million this year and 11 next year and that kind of thing. And that's his salary. His cap hit is 23 million this year, 19 million next year, 19 the year after that. And so the cap hit is there and he's got a dead cap of 17 million next year. So you're stuck with those contracts the next two years. I don't care what his base salary is. I mean, his bonuses and all that kind of stuff, that's going to change things, especially when you get to June 2nd, when the bonuses kick in, but he's really only sitting there with, with $7 million in bonuses uh, coming through. I don't know. I mean, Connor and I really got into a deep dive on this in the Patreon tonight. And if you are a Patreon member, right. uh, You'll see it when it comes out. Basically, as soon as we finish this live stream, we'll be releasing the Patreon and, we gave the odds better, but Connor's still not
0: willing to lay money on, my, on plus on 200 right now. Right, yeah. I, I mean, the odds for me have gone up a lot. A couple of weeks ago, I thought it was just smoke, but now it seems like there is some legitimacy behind it. But I, I still don't think it's going to happen if I had to decide, but it's definitely more of a possibility than I thought it was a few weeks ago. All right, let's oh. do one more. Although Marcus has spoken. Patriots will be getting Julio Jones. We want his hands. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess we're wrong. Let's All right. go. Let's All right. go, Marcus. Let's do one more. All right. Let's see. Let's go, to, let's go to McChicken. I feel like we haven't gone to him in a long time. McChicken says, Nikhil Harry actually had a great college career. It looked like the next thing coming of Larry Fitz. He did have a good college career from what I read. When they drafted him, I started like looking into the kid, and I thought he was going to be very good. I'm obviously overly optimistic. I'm a guy who picked the Patriots to go 13-3 and last season, so that doesn't say much, but I thought he did have a good college career, yeah. Everybody who's a New England Patriot had a
1: great college career in Connor's mind. Um, no, he did have a good college career. He was big, strong. Mm-hmm. I think what we missed is how his game, you know, that whole won't translate to the NFL, and we hear that a lot. We hear that about DK Metcalf. Right. But DK Metcalf has the speed where Nikhil Harry doesn't have the speed. They both have the strength. But there's a lot of disappointment to me in Nikhil Harry's development, especially when it comes to, like, those contested catches there's there was a play last year and I can't remember which game it was but he went up and he tried to like make a one-handed catch and got bullied up to the ball and that's where he's like he went up to get a contested catch and did couldn't get his other arm up the corner out muscled him right and that's where I get disappointed with Nikhil Harry where his game really just never translated to the NFL all right. So let's go on with the article here. It says, will the niche Jacoby Myers carved still be there? I, I'm a little confused by that question because I don't know what niche he carved out. Does that mean?
0: Yeah. The me, Patriots, neither. me neither. That
1: was the, my exact thought. The Patriots not playing him for six weeks and then playing him from week seven and on and
0: him making an impact when he plays. Is that the niche they're talking about? I, I, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't think he's kind of really like came out and found like a gunner like great punt returning position or anything like that. I, I I don't know what he did outside of being a good wide receiver when the opportunity was given to him.
1: Yeah, it confused me too. So let's see what Curran had to say. Maybe it'll give us some more insight and we could you know go a little bit deeper. He says, on the other hand, we have Jacoby Myers. Undrafted in 2019, his presence has actually softened the damage done by Harry's lack of production since Myers has produced about as you'd expect a first rounder to perform in his first two seasons. Last season, Myers led the team with 59 catches for 529 yards, buried at the start of training camp. He had one catch in the first five games, and in his next nine games had 47, outpacing Harry's career output so far. Mm -hmm. Clearly he can play, but do the Patriots believe he produced because he was uh, the only game in town last year, or do they see him as a fitting in nicely with Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and the new tight end crew? I wouldn't bet against Myers, and I'm going to agree with Curran. First of all, I want to point out to everybody that Lawrence Owen, who's got his own YouTube channel called Lawrence Owen and Colts Law, it's called Lawrence Owen, but look up Colts Law, Lawrence Owen, you can find it. He covers the New England pay or he covers the Indianapolis Colts, but he comes in here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. live with me, doesn't Patriots Outsider giving an outsider's view on the Patriots. He also does film rooms for us, and he did a Jacoby Myers film room. And Lawrence predicted after that film room that Jacoby Myers is going to have his breakout season this year and believes that Jacoby Myers will be the Patriots' best wide receiver. So yes, I'd say at this time, Myers is behind Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, but there's a lot of people predicting that in short order, he's going to leapfrog both those guys.
0: Right. I I mean, I, I don't think this is a fluke or anything. I think he's a legitimate wide receiver. He's had two good seasons. Every time he's been given the opportunity to play, he's been very good. I wouldn't bet against him either. I, I think he's going to be right there in the mix. I'm not looking at it like, oh, last year, they had nobody else to throw to, so he was the only guy they went to. I think he's every bit as good as Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne are going to be. I think those three are all going to be you know, vying for the most targets and it's going to depend on the week. I think some weeks they're going to air it out to Nelson Aguilar. The next week they're going to come back and target, you know, Jacoby Myers 10 times. Then they're going to be using the tight ends. I think the Patriots are going to be the complete opposite of what we've seen. All of a sudden they have the opportunity to spread the ball around and do a ton of different things on offense. So the next
1: question in the article says, which late round rookie makes it? Trey Nixon. I knew you were going to say Trey Nixon. Trey Nixon,
0: Trey Nixon be, because Ernie Adams took him. I feel like that's a good uh, good omen for his career. I wanted to say
1: before you said it, I said, Connor's going to say Trey Nixon for two reasons. Number one, it's going to be Ernie Adams' parting gift for the Patriots. And number two, Go Connor probably, probably can't name you the sixth-round draft pick.
0: I don't think I know who the sixth-round draft pick was. <laughs>
1: Uh, I like Trey Nixon as well, and it's funny because I know there's people that are going to be out there saying he's a seventh-round draft pick. What do you think a seventh-round draft pick is going to be? We just finished saying how an undrafted free agent could be the Patriots' best wide receiver this season.
0: Yeah. So... Mm -hmm.
1: It's you know, I I don't think it ever matters where they get drafted. I know a quarterback who was drafted in the seventh round who became the Patriots, you know, best receiver for years uh, was a Super Bowl MVP at the wide receiver position, a sixth round quarterback who became the greatest quarterback of all time. So I don't want to cast a shadow on a Trey Nixon and say he's only a seventh round pick. That being said. He's a seventh-round pick. Jacoby Myers don't happen every day. But here's what Perry had to say. He said, given the dearth of explosive options at receiver, let's not rule out seventh-round pick Trey Nixon out of UCF. But 6th round offensive lineman William Sherman feels like a better bet. A durable lineman at Colorado who played both tackle spots will have the ability to kick inside to play guard. Plus, he told reporters after being drafted that he's been working out at center as well. If the Patriots are interested in keeping an 8th lineman who gives them some versatility behind Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, Mike Onwenu, and David Andrews, Ted Karras, and Justin Heron, it could be Sherman. The recent uh, acquisitions of interior lineman Alex Redmond could thwart Sherman's chances at the roster, but he feels like a decent bet compared to Nixon drafted 50 picks later and safety Joshua Bletso drafted earlier out of Missouri, but trying to crack a deep defensive backfield. Fifth rounder Cam Cam McGrone will likely begin the season on reserve list after tearing his ACL last season at Michigan. I never bet against a late round offensive lineman for the New
0: England Patriots. That seems to be Bill Belichick's sweet spot, man, as far as drafting, picking up the offensive lineman at the end of the draft and turning them into studs or even after the draft with David Andrews.
1: Is Kyle Duggar ready to be the enforcer? Now, Connor, we heard last week that Duggar wants to mimic his game after Patrick Chung. Both you and I agreed probably a good place for him to be a good player for him to mimic will he be and is he ready to
0: be the enforcer for the Patriots of that strong safety position I hope so and I believe so I know we talked about this a little bit on Patreon he's one of the guys who I think is going to have a very good season I think he's going to step up and I would love to see him be you know the enforcer kind of what Patrick Chung has been if you go back further I mean it's even Bigger shoes to fill. Rodney Harrison was the enforcer, you know. Nobody came over the middle on Rodney Harrison. You're going to get crushed. I hope that that's what we get out of Kyle Duggar. If he can be, you know, the the Chung replacement like that, that would be an absolutely phenomenal second-round pick for the Pats. Here's what Curran had to say. He said the two best hitters on the
1: Patriots defense last year were rookie Kyle Duggar and linebacker Therese Hall.
0: Mm-hmm. Plucked
1: from Lenore Ryan in the second round, Duggar bucked the trend of second round defensive back selected by the Patriots who go belly up. He's dynamic, aggressive, smart, polished, and still on a very steep upward trajectory as he starts mastering the intricacies of NFL safety. And he spent this offseason so far studying the work of his strong safety predecessors, Patrick Chung and Rodney Harrison. Nice. Quote, those guys are definitely some similarities in the positions they were playing in their careers and the type of game they played, Duggar said this week. The physicality of the sport, uh, unbraced as it sometimes is in 2021, is elemental. And Duggar brings it in throwback style that could soon make him a tone setter for the team. Now, if he is doing it in throwback style, if he is playing old school safety, if he is bringing a level of violence that I think we've seen in the past from the Rodney Harrisons of the world. You know that that's something Bill Belichick is going to love. There's nothing Bill Belichick loves more than an old school throwback player. You look at what the words he said for Julian Edelman when Julian Edelman retired, I will argue they were more in-depth and more meaningful than what he said about Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. And it's just, you know, You know, that's Bill Belichick, as you know, and, and we can debate that on a different day of whether he should have given Brady more or not. But I'm saying he loves those throwback players. And I think if Kyle Duggar is the best tackler on the Patriots, which is open field tackles as well, which I will argue for years, as good as the Patriots defense has been, they have struggled with open field tackling. If Kyle Duggar can lock that up, I mean, he could become the best defensive player on the Patriots eventually. I don't think we see that in 2021, but he could become that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, like Tommy e. Curran said in this, on an upward trajectory still, and it's not to say that he started out low because he had a very good rookie season. He showed a lot of promise last year, and now he's building on that. He's going to have more of an opportunity. He's going to have more snaps. Uh, I mean, I, I see him continuing on that upward trajectory, and I see it getting even better this year. So as I look at the time,
1: we're sitting at about 8 minutes and 1, 2 three, four, five, six questions remaining. I don't think we're going to get to all six. I said that off air. I said that on air. I didn't know if we'd be able to get through this whole thing. So I am going to start looking at the questions that pop up and try to pick the ones that are the most interesting. And I think this one is super interesting. What's the end game with Stephon Gilmore? That is, I think, the one question that people still have. That's the one question that still lingers amongst the media, the fan base and everybody. We haven't heard anything about contract extensions or negotiations. I think the last thing we heard about Stefan Gilmore was that he is open to playing with the Patriots this season with his current contract, where I think he's only going to be getting like $7 million in cash. Now he has a $15 million cap hit, right. but I think he's only getting paid like $7 million this year. The Patriots do have cap space. They could renegotiate with him or restructure a one-year deal with, you know, with, with a, an automatic void next year if they want to just pay him more money. I mean, I, I've seen some of the chat talking about J.C. Jackson, but we're getting very, very close. I don't see a guy of Stephon Gilmore's caliber and what he would mean for the defensive game plan being let go late in the training camp. And you could point to yes, well, look what happened with Lawyer Lawyer Malloy, but you had or or not, yeah, Lawyer Malloy, but you had Rodney Harrison there. Right at, at this point it's a different position cornerback to safety. There's more corners and there are safeties on the field. And yeah, I think I, I, it's really interesting. I, I think that when week one rolls around, Stephon Gilmore will still be a new England Patriot.
0: I hope so. At this point, um, it's going to be fantastic to see this secondary with, you know, Stephon Gilmore, JC Jackson, Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Devin McCordy. You know, I I would like to see him stay on the team. I'm hoping that they can find a way to squeak by this season. Next year, they can worry about restructuring, having him go somewhere else, whatever it might be. I'm hoping against all hope. I know it might be difficult because he's definitely going to be underpaid this season, but I'm hoping they can get by this year. He can stay on the team. They can find a way to either have him play for the seven and a half million dollars he's scheduled to make. They can give him some sort of signing bonus, some sort of restructuring. But I want them to keep him on the team, at least for this season, and then figure it out in 2022.
1: Well, here's what Perry said. He said, said this before the draft, when thinking about Bill Belichick's team building approach in 2021, it's good to start with this thesis. He wants to win right now. Keeping with that thought, it would make sense for the Patriots to do whatever they can to keep their number one corner. That means it's time for an extension. In my opinion, he won't want to play for a $7 million base for 2021, but would he accept an extension that would pay him $62 million over four years, an average of about fifteen point five million million, one one that guarantees him almost $36 million. That's the kind of deal that um, Benzin, uh, Pat Cats uh, or Miguel, yeah, Benzin, uh, Twitter laid out earlier this offseason as a reasonable extension for the former Defensive Player of the Year. The AAV would slot Gilmore behind Byron Jones and ahead of Howard, both of the Dolphins, as the sixth highest-paid corner in football. Reasonable. It would still have him behind Philly's Darius Slay, which Gilmore may not love. But at 31 years old, coming off an injury might be hard to pass up. So I think it's a little bit about money. It's also got to be a little bit about prestige. Gilmore has his ring. Can he look at this Patriots current team and think I have a good opportunity of winning another ring here? And again, I always get to this. When you start getting into numbers like $62 million, what is the difference between $62 million and $80 million?
0: Right. Once it gets to that point, it starts to look a lot uh, similar. You're just talking about such big money at that point. I I don't know. I mean, I I also wouldn't like to see them pay him that type of money four years from now. You know, I think four or five years from now, he's going to obviously be on the tail end of his career and he's probably going to lose a step it's like we were talking about julio jones if he's 35 and still on the books you don't really want to get to the point especially bill belichick usually doesn't where someone's making a ton of money and they're at the very tail end of their career he usually like we've always said gets rid of somebody one year too soon than one year too late all right we've got about three minutes
1: left so i'm going to cut the article off there like i said super packed busy show knew we weren't going to get through the whole thing that being said I'm going to uh, turn it over to the uh, the chat, Connor, so if you want to pull some up. And I want to start by looking at this one. Remember when your source said Bill had one more big move? Could it be trade for Julio? Especially since I came out that Julio requested a trade months ago, maybe Bill already knew this. Um, I think my source was wrong. Right, And um, it's no knock to my source. He thought he was getting, you know, he thought he knew what he was talking about. I don't think it is. I got another message this week. Like, I'll read you a message I got this week. Take it for what it is. Take it with a grain of salt. It's up to you. It's from one of our boys, Connor, that you and I know. Um, He says, huge, huge update. Julio wants to go to New England. He wouldn't mind shaving off some money if he had to guarantee that destination, Only place he'd rework his contract, though overall he likes his current contract. Both sides are interested. He's hoping Falcons do him a solid by preferring a trade with New England, even if they may receive less from New England than others. And the only thing that would get in the way is if if they'd be outbid uh, where the Falcons don't do him a solid by sending him to New England. Report on him wanting to play with Cam is in fact true. Quote, I'm about to ball out either way. Um, Take everything I say with a grain of salt. Again, I don't know where people get their information. I just tell you what people tell me. Uh, Some people might lie. Some people might not. I'm not saying this guy's lying. I'm not saying my first source lied. Uh, But what we were told didn't happen and it is what it is.
0: Right, and here I think he was saying the big move was something prior to the draft when that was originally stated. But if this still big happens, move, that that's big, technically correct. That
1: big move was the trade up for a quarterback, it, right? That was specific. Was, that was specifically said to us by two right. different people. By two different people.
0: But here, if they do, do if they do make this big move for Julio Jones, I guess in the grand scheme of things, they did have one big move left in them.
1: Yep. Yeah. Listen, we know people who know people who work for the Patriots. That's I know Patriots
0: for, Pro Shop Twitter handler.
1: Wow, well, away from that. And we get information from these people. And so by the time it gets to us, we're like, you know, we're not beat reporters. We don't have these massive sources. By the time it gets to us, it's second and third hand information. If we were right, we would have looked like geniuses. We're wrong. We ate shit on it already. We were wrong. I'm not going to stop reading what people tell me.
0: That's a good point. Love y'all. Yeah, buddy.
1: Let's do uh, two more, Connor.
0: Alrighty, And bring this one up. I, uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name here. Uh, do you think Gunnar is the next Julian Edelman, both starting off helping the team on special teams? That's a good point. I mean, I don't personally think that he's going to be the next julian edelman edelman was a really special player but in hindsight you're right the first couple years edelman really just returned punts and did a little bit of everything before he really took that step forward and became a fantastic slot receiver so maybe maybe when you put it like that i'm not going to say that that's wrong um
1: i see that comparison a lot and i think that as just fans, this isn't exclusive to Patriots fans. This is exclusive to f- sports fans in general. Every time we get a player that reminds us of a similar player, that we start making those comparisons. We've already seen the Mac Jones comparisons of Tom Brady because they're both pocket quarterbacks. Uh, you got a guy like Gunner who's a great special team player. We all remember Julian Edelman. That's how he found his role on the team. That's why he became who he is. I don't see Gunner as having the same skill set as Julian Edelman. Yes, they're both good special teamers, and I think that's where the comparison should end.
0: Straight up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. I mean, maybe maybe just, but I, I don't see it happening. Lord Pack here says Cam and Mac will platoon this year. When Cam isn't getting it done fully with the ground game, Mac comes in and runs an air raid. This is the two-quarterback set we talked about before.
1: (laughs) This this has been my idea pre-Mac Jones to the Patriots. This was my idea for Philly when they had Carson Wentz and uh, Jalen Hurts. I believe, and I mean this, I believe this. I believe that the NFL is not far away from having – a two quarterback system and I don't mean like a taysom hill where they just run some gimmick plays I mean like an actual platoon like he's talking about here where maybe you have your starting guy that takes like sixty percent of the snaps and your backup taking forty. I think that's the next evolution of offense I talked about it already last year when I was on uh when I was on when I was on uh sportscasters sorry I'm trying to read and talk today. Like when I was on sportscaster. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's you know, it's it's what it is, right? It's it's what it is, and I I think it's going to happen, and I think it's I think it's going to be uh, an evolution. Now, McChickens saying the Pats tried uh, the two quarterback system with Grogan Eason, but this is very different. This is completely different than what you're talking about. You have to have a Mac Jones and a Cam Newton, a Carson Wentz
0: and a Jalen Hurts, two for it to work, right? I mean, I guess that would make more sense because if you have two quarterbacks that play such a similar game, what would be the point there? But, yeah, if you have two comp- quarterbacks who are a completely different game, then it would make it almost impossible for the other team to game plan for you.
1: And I do want to say this one because you and I have actually had this conversation in the past. The last thing I want to see is rotating quarterbacks, and you and I have talked about traditionalists, right? And one of the things that irritates me is traditionalists in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know the unwritten rules and all that kind of stuff. Let people hit home runs and have fun, right? right. It's, it's it's a game. You right. you hit a ball with a stick for or, millions of dollars. Yeah, for for beyond money that no one can comprehend. Right. And I get David saying the last thing I want to see is rotating quarterbacks because I think as football fans we all grew up. Not I think we all grew up with one guy throws the football. You know, and you don't platoon. But I always go back to there was a guy. If YouTube always existed and we were doing this show here. There'd be a guy saying, "I don't want to see a closing pitcher. A pitcher <laughs> should a pitcher should be pitching 9 innings." Right. You know, like I don't want to see relief pitchers. I don't an opener like we've talked about the progression of of, of pitching in baseball, we went from guys pitching, you know, complete games to openers and closers and relief pitchers and long relief pitchers and and lefty specialists and and all this other kind of stuff. I get what you're saying, and as a traditionalist, I feel the same as you. But I think as games transition, you need to try to find these competitive edges. And having two quarterbacks with two completely different skill sets, having them both on the field at the same time it can cause a lot of
0: issues. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But we'll, we'll see as far as the back Jones, Cam Newton, I don't know if they will be the first team to ever do it, but we'll, we'll see what happens because I'm not,
1: I'm not predicting the Patriots do this. Right. I'm just saying, I've been talking about whether it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to be next year, two years, five years from now, I've always just talked about the natural transition for offense is the quarterback. I mean,
0: that's what else is left. I know. I know. I don't know what else is left at that point. What's going to be the game plan in 2030? A four tight end set, a five tight
1: end set. Right. No, no offensive (laughs) lineman. Could be flag football. Yeah. Uh, Guys, that's it. We've done our time. We appreciate y'all here on the dear Pats nation podcast. Tune in. To Sarah Marshall, live on YouTube tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go. Go find Connor over at uh, TD Fintalk for the AFC East Roundtable representing the New England Patriots at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We will tweet Let's out the go. link, everybody. Come join Lawrence and I for Patriots Outsider on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Connor and I will be back at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. And uh, you can always download the Monday and Thursday podcast wherever you get your podcast needs. And until then, Connor, let me ask you, tell me about those Patriots.
0: Legit, kid.
1: Support for Deer Pats Nation is brought to you by our partners over at the Rocky Mountain Barber Company. Now, guys, what makes the Rocky Mountain Barber Company different? They take great pride in crafting products that include natural ingredients and natural materials whenever possible. Their frequent production run means that you get a fresher product with fresher ingredients every single time. How about freebies with every order? They include free product samples or razor blades with every item that you order. You choose what you want at checkout. You get rewarded, earn points on every dollar you spend and redeem them on exclusive rewards and perks and save 5% off every order by visiting RockyMountainBarber.com and use the code RayRoute and get small batch products made with natural ingredients and save 5% using the code RayRoute. that's R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H at RockyMountainBarber.com. We want to thank all of our Dear Pats Nation loyalty club members over at patreon.com slash DPN sports for only $5 a month. Connor and I record an exclusive webcast Sunday through Thursday. So if you like all the free content that we offer here, can I suggest that you check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash DPN sports. We don't have any tiers. We don't charge you for different levels of access. We have one tier at one cost, five bucks. You'll get five webcasts a week and you can participate in our Patreon exclusive live stream every second Friday you can hang in the chat you can join Connor and I on the screen and have a voice to voice conversation with us and other Deer Pats Nation loyalty club members but in order to get the content you have to join the club and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash Sports. if you'd like to check it out we have left a link to the Deer Pats Nation Patreon page wherever and however you are listening or watching and guys there are many different ways that you can support Deer Pats Nation but the only way that you can do that in style is by visiting in the Dear Pats Nation merch shop over at teespring.com slash store slash DPN. And when you're there, get your hands on the newest DPN apparel, t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, whatever you want. Get it all at our merch store at tspring.com slash store slash DPN. For your convenience, we've left a link to our merch store in the description or wherever you're listening or watching this show.
0: Because I think the purpose of
1: Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedammscore.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.